Yeah, I I mean, do you think you and I have watched enough movies that we could get away with murder? Me, I have a better chance than you, for sure. Yeah, but I wouldn't kill anybody, so. Yeah. I, I, I have a, yeah, even by accident, I mean. <laughs> uh, if I kill someone, I'm not telling, I'm not telling you. You, I can't tell you about it. That's fair. That's fair. I finally watched. I finally watched. I finally watched. I finally watched. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David, and today I finally watched Super Dark Times. And this is Alon, and I also finally watched Super Dark Times. And that was our new intro for the show, and we can't thank Jesse Jace Thomas enough. And you know, it's, it's funny too, is like with as picky as you and I are, and like our different tastes... The fact that he was able to like nail it so quickly and like we both like it is great. Yeah, no, he's really good and really fun to work with. You can listen to more of their music at jessejacethomas.bandcamp.com. So getting into this movie and, you know, I was, I was thinking back when we started, you and I did this horrible, like had this horrible habit where we would say spoiler alert, like every time we started talking about a new scene and we realized like no one's listening to this without having watched it. Right. But I do want to say for this movie, if for some reason you're like, Oh, let me listen to a few minutes of them talking about it. And then I'll decide to go watch it. I went into this completely blind for the most part. And then yeah. probably like 20 minutes in, I had to pause it and I read like a quick thing, but go, First of all, we're going to spoil the shit out of this. And second of all, it is best to just go in not knowing anything about it. Like, and I think that's for a lot of movies you can say that. But this one especially is just really cool to go in because there's a lot of stuff that's like, I'd say like 30 minutes in, you kind of get some stuff that's a little unexpected, right? So, um, yeah, just if you haven't watched it, it's on Hulu. It's also on Tubi for free. So go make it happen because this, this movie like really stuck with me um watching it i finished it last night and i immediately called you and we were like oh we're ruining the podcast because we're talking about it but it's just like it's one of those that you i uh you know i called garrett too or texted garrett and i was like watch this movie i want to talk with you about the ending because i wanted to like you know there's like some legal implications to the ending of this movie too it's just it's one that like sticks with you it's very impactful I don't necessarily IMDb categorizes it as kind of a horror and it has like uh, maybe a couple horror elements to it. But for the most part, I think it's like a drama thriller and kind of like, I don't know, a little, a little hard to watch in some places, but um, I, I thought it was excellent. What did you think? I also, you know, walked into this blind, even though I tried to like read a summary um about it because my intention my intention wasn't to go in 100 percent blind I, I wanted to know something about it and the summary on the web was so vague um 
and and misleading even from like the poster that's represented on imdb it the tone and just i guess what it implies the poster implies doesn't even happen in the movie or it does but it happens in a much different way almost like purposely trying to mislead you on thinking like this is this is a a horror-esque mystery when in fact it's more psychological thriller uh the i i agree i think i mean we can say that about most movies right go in it completely blind you don't don't uh spoil it for yourself and kind of enjoy the adventure of the film but for this it's so um not only is the marketing for it misleading but like as you're watching the film the plot purposely i feel like at times mislead the viewer um that you think the movie is going to go one way or you think there's a twist or you think there's, you know, it's pretty um, uh, straightforward. And then it's just the opposite of whatever you could be thinking of. So in, in that way, it's, I think, especially this movie calls for you to go in it, not knowing anything about it. Yeah. And, and one thing the movie does to mislead you is it kind of presents, I'd say, maybe 30 to 40 minutes left in the movie, it sort of presents what the ending is, not like what, how it's going to happen, but there's like a, a mystery or a question about one of the characters. Um, and it tells you the answer, but like for the next 30, next 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, you're like, wait, was that right? I don't know if that's right until you find out. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. They did tell us what was happening. Um, and sure, 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 sure. The marketing too, I think uh, I, on uh, you know normally not to tell people how the sausage is made. Normally, I just look at like the IMDb trivia. Um, there was like three things on this movie. There was nothing. So I did a little deeper research, and one thing I read is the director was saying that he wanted people to go in blind. Uh, there's a there's a death thirty minutes in, and he didn't even want that to be hinted at in like the trailers and the promotion and stuff because he just thinks it's more impactful. Um, and, and I think, you know, going back to like the, oh, this is called horror. Um, I think in the beginning, uh, when they were marketing this, they marketed it as nostalgia horror, which mm. is basically Stranger Things and It. And I think this doesn't, it. I think a little bit of this has a Stranger Things feel because it's uh, kids on bikes, right? Like ninth graders, eighth <laughs> and- graders. It starts and ends there. Right. Uh, yeah. Other than that, but, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, this movie's from like 1995. So for kids of a, my age. Well, let's clarify. This movie was made five years ago. It's set in 1995. Correct. Correct. Yeah. It's set in 1995, but made in 2017. Actually, I think it was made a little earlier because one of the things I read is that, um, you know, people that when they were comparing it to stranger things for the marketing, he was like, he's like, I didn't even know what stranger things was except for the fact that, um, the character of Karen, who is Zach's mom in this, they originally mm-hmm. in like in pre planning for this, wanted to go after Winona Ryder. And she was like too busy. Cause she was working on this thing called stranger things. 
And so oh, they couldn't funny. they couldn't get her. I actually like love the mom that they got for this. I think she's like one of the best parts of this movie. Um but besides yeah, besides like the when when it was when I was reading up on it, I I think probably 3 or so years ago, I just read an article that was like there's this really under known underseen movie called Super Dark Times and it had a comparison to like Stranger Things. And it has nothing to do with Stranger Things. Absolutely not. There's no supernatural elements. No. Um, nothing. So, but I wanted to watch it. And then, I mean, now having watched it, I think it's like, I don't want to, I, I sometimes get too overexcited when I say something's like a perfect movie. But with this one, like, you can see all of the strands and how they're brought together. And it's just a really well-made movie. This is the only movie this guy has made so far. This was his first one. And I don't think he's made his like next feature since. And it's just so well done. So well filmed. And like, let's get to the opening of it. I told you like when I put this on, I was kind of looking at my phone at the same time. And I was just like, Oh, there's no sound. And I kind of look over and you just see like a window broken and then blood in a hallway. And I was just like, oh, this is interesting. And the opening actually reminds me of It Follows, right? Like the the way it's filmed and the camera shots. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. So we get, we get to that opening and then you see like, which by the way, my subtitle said um, moose is making noises. And I was like, that's way too fucking small for a moose. And then I think it was actually supposed to be a deer. The subtitles were like messed up because moose is meese are fucking huge and so that was i thought it was just like a big buck you know yeah that's that's what it's supposed to be and like this movie is not funny except for the cop going let's do this motherfucker (laughs) the other cop breaking deer's neck yeah it's weird i i uh I, i was talking to you on the phone last night after we both watched the movie and i mentioned this scene and i said isn't it weird how the deer never comes back up at all in the, in the rest of the movie. And you're like, what deer? And, uh, it's the opening scene and it lasts maybe five minutes, but it never is mentioned. And, and the only way I took it is maybe like a, like a dark omen, right. Yeah. Um, to, to kind of hint at what is to befall upon these students at this school but like the sheriff character or like any of the other students besides the main girl never comes back again. Well, and I, I think one thing, and we were, I mentioned this a lot during like the last spooky season, September, October, where we did movies, a lot of horror movies do this tone setting thing where one of the worst things you see in the movie when scariest elements or like a jump scare happens in the beginning to set the tone and then you have a long lull until things get really bad. Um, That's true for like horror movies, right? But this is this is not what I would consider a horror movie. And also the the circumstances of with the deer are odd, right? It's like it it runs in the middle of the night because no one's at school at this point. It runs in the uh, like towards the school, jumps through the window cuts itself jumping through the classroom window, bucks around, bleeds everywhere, and then eventually dies from from blood loss and trauma, I presume. We see none of this. We only see the aftermath of all of this. 
But I'm like, so I'm supposed to believe a deer just casually ran through a school window? Yeah, and one of the reasons I didn't remember deer is because I literally just thought it was a moose because of the subtitles in the first part. But I um, I wasn't, yeah, it's obviously not a horror movie, right? I wasn't scared the whole time. Although I will say like the last 20 minutes of this movie, I was just standing in front of my TV. And I like don't, do, but like just it's such an, anxiety ridden last little bit of this movie that I was just like, I was like, I need this to be like, I need to find out what happens and like this to, to keep, you know, to move on. Um, but I, but what I'm saying is like it, so the writers of this are like very, the writers of this movie in an article I was reading, they're very drawn to horror and the director isn't. And so that was like the combination of those two things. It has this horror tone setting. It has like a dream sequence. that's very horror. And then the last scene is like, you know, it's not scream, right? But it's like, you know, a guy trying to hack other people to death. Um, I mean, those are kind of horror elements, right? And so I think it's like, it's definitely a toned yeah. down version of that, but it it, it has it. Yeah, I, I told you watching this, I, I got strong Chronicle feels, uh, strong Chronicle vibe from this film. Uh, and you've never seen Chronicle so this isn't the place to talk about nor spoil the movie. But basically what I meant by that is that Chronicle is about three friends, really two friends, who kind of see opposite ways of the world because of what happens to them in their youth, right? Which is kind of like what happens here. Some traumatic event happens and you know, they take different sides of the coin on that. I've seen the trailer uh, for they, Chronicle. I know what happens in Chronicle. And and then in the end, they, they're, they're pit uh, against each other. Um, so like, the, like that, you know, these two main characters are pit against each other. What I was confused about is, uh, well, first of all, there's the character Zach, who I guess would be our, our main character. And then yep. there's our character, Josh, who is uh, the, the antagonist of the story. Um, and then there's Allison, the girl. And what was interesting to me is that the whole movie begins and ends with Allison. Yep. And it seems like, a good portion of everyone's actions and motivations is through this this girl, even though she's not the main character. I wouldn't even call her a catalyst because um, uh, the the death is the catalyst that kind of throws all these things in motion, right? Um, but she's definitely like maybe I would even go on to say like the story is about her just because the way we end the movie is her perspective. And so I thought that was really interesting. Like I've, I haven't seen that in a movie in a while on that kind of uh, uh, way of storytelling. Well, yeah. So there's a couple POV shifts in this where, yeah, this opening scene with the deer is sort of from Allison's POV um, a little bit. And then, from there until they leave the field where Daryl, what has happened to, you know, Daryl dies, where they leave the field from that point, it's sort of Josh and Zach's 
point of view, right? Because they're just always together for that part of the movie. Um, I guess there's a little bit of a phone call with just Zach, maybe. But once we get to after Daryl, it is 100%. The only thing we see is what Zach sees from then until the very end when it goes back to Allison for like the last two minutes of the movie. Um, right. Which and is I a, mean, even then, even then you could argue, does it go back to Allison or does it, oh, for the last two minutes of, of the movie? Well, I was going to say even before that, um, when um, Josh shows up at Allison's house, you could say yeah, that yeah, maybe the right. point of view bounces to him and then it goes back to Zach. And then for the last two minutes, it's her movie again. Um, yeah, you're I, right. I think we should just kind of start in the beginning and just kind of move our way up. Well, so uh, did you ever, as a kid, were you old enough to have to deal with uh, scrambled porn? Was that a thing that no. you had in your life? No, you just always... No, my... Yeah, my 4K? porn was always clear 4K, HD, yeah, widescreen format. <laughs> I just, I love that touch of it. And then, like, it, it's funny, like, I guess I don't know it. it's... It's December, right? Or November, December, because yes, they're talking about how cold it is. So what? They're clearly just looking at last year's yearbook. But I just love the, like, there's porn on the TV, and they're looking at the yearbook, like, who would you fuck from the yearbook? It's just like, this movie establishes these two as friends for the first 20 minutes of this so well. Mm-hmm. And, like, you feel like they're really good friends. It also establishes their characters, in this yearbook looking scene, you know, uh, Zach is like the morally good character. So while he is a teenage boy and he dives into the conversation, it's not taken as like raunchy as Josh takes it. And you kind of have a feel for their, for, you know, where they are on the morality scale, even though they are both teenage horny teenage boys. Right. But I think it says a lot about the characters on, on just what what they say. And and I think a big giveaway of what happens in the end and how uh, Zach figures out where Josh ends up going is because of the very beginning conversation they have in this film. Well, yeah, at Allison's house. I, I agree. I, I do think um, like... Zach is, I I think it's just showing you, and this is like a common movie thing because they do the same with Daryl, which I want to talk about, but like just setting up who you should like, right? Like Zach is the one who has true feelings for Allison. So you want him to end up with Allison. And also the fact that we then get his POV, you know, he's like the one guy or Josh is like, I'd fuck her on stage. You know what I mean? He's like, you shouldn't talk about that. We know her and like, I like her. And the other guys, Josh is like, I like her too, you know? Um, and so that's obviously like, yeah, you're right. It's to set up who we're rooting for or not rooting for, but you know, just who we're rooting for. It's okay to say it. It makes you accept what happens later. Right. And, um, this, you know, the, this goes right to, uh, right to when they meet Daryl. And one thing I'll say is I watched this for a second time today and I'm just like the whole time looking for the signs of like josh the serial killer (laughs) like where does he break when does it happen um yeah and i don't even know if that's the point of it which we'll talk about later but 
We then meet Daryl, and like in the first five seconds of meeting Daryl, I thought he was special. Okay, not just me? Okay, cool. Yeah. And maybe he kind of was, but they... This is one thing. The director makes you hate Daryl. There's like no way you can come out of this and be like, oh, yeah, Daryl is a good guy. I like Daryl. Like, you know what's funny? You know what's funny? I When they were arguing in the field and the katana, uh, the katana was being thrown around, I thought to myself, I said, I said, you know, I don't know what kind of movie this is. Because at that point, I still didn't know what kind of movie this was. And I was like, I will be very sad if Josh gets stabbed with the katana. But if Daryl gets stabbed with the katana, it won't be the biggest loss, honestly. Yeah, I was like, it has to be Daryl getting, like, as we're getting to us, like, it has to be Daryl. But, you know, the way that's, we'll talk about how it was set up. But I also love the conversations on the bridge. First of all, uh, Charlie gets brought up, uh, or Charlie, you know, gets brought in too to this. And watching it the second time, especially, you can tell, like, he is slightly younger. Like, the casting for this movie, I want to say, was so perfect as far as, like, the ages, the way people interacted. And all the actors are great. Like everyone we yeah. see is great. Even the girl who's masturbating a pen behind Zach in class for no reason. Like just, just great. You know what I mean? Masturbating a pen, I feel like can be taken in so many ways. She wasn't right? masturbating with. She was masturbating the pen. She was. Right. She was. She was giving it a hand jibber, if you will. The mechanical pen yes okay yeah to completion so um but this the stories on the bridge we're kind of acting like teenagers on this but the stories on the bridge about like <laughs> josh was like yeah I've, i'm my masturbating fast is over tomorrow and they're like why would you do that and he's like oh it feels so good when you when you wait and then fucking daryl about true lies two and a half times but it started to hurt so i got a steak out like did you put it back no, I cooked it. Of course I put it back. They're like, that's not better. That that's not a better <laughs> that's not a better answer. Yeah, but <clears throat> you know, it, it's it's like never once did I feel like this was scripted. <laughs> Which is in this case not a not a bad thing. Like I felt like every conversation was naturally uh, occurring and I and I never felt like anything was forced. Um and and I do really want to talk about the katana scene because I felt like the way that that was set up was so natural and nothing was forced in that scene. So then, spoiler alert, when Daryl does get stabbed by the katana, it feels like, yeah, of course he got stabbed by the katana. But... It never felt like uh, plot forced the katana in that moment at that location. You know, it, it, everything felt, uh, even the location, even like where he got stabbed felt natural. Uh, so, yeah, I just give the movie for uh, credit to the movie for it's like it's natural sounding dialogue and natural moving plot. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And the the last little bit of setup before we get to when Daryl hangs out with them. There, well, there's a couple of things. One, when they leave Daryl the first time they go past these stoners and um, there's this theory on the internet that 
uh, Josh talks about his brother Danny being in the Marines, and there's this theory that Danny's dead mm-hmm. because of how upset he gets about people being wrong about you know Danny being in the Navy versus the Marines. And then later on, when um, when the you know about the weed, he doesn't want Daryl to take it, and people are like, oh, you know, he's really cares about his stuff or whatever. I don't think that I don't think that really makes sense because he even says he's going to be out in eight years, and he's best friends with Zach. Zach would have known if his brother was dead, so I th- that's kind of a I don't think that works. But um, the scene, you know, establishing his dislike of Josh Whitcomb is funny, or John Whitcomb is funny because. John Whitcomb doesn't even say anything to him. He's just smoking in the back, but he's like, that fucking Kool-Aid-haired motherfucker. Right. It's really the other guy that's like bothering him and like puts his shoe on his face and stuff like that. The 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 thing is, too, is that it it, it almost sets up Josh as a liar because we don't know enough about Josh and his family to be comfortable to knowing he's telling the truth. Everything, like you said, everything that happens to Josh is we know is verified by Zach and we trust Zach. We like Zach. Um, We know Zach's mom, right? But Josh has this weird thing where like both of his parents work and his brothers in the Marines. So we never get to meet his his parents and his house is always empty and it's just kind of sets up this like eeriness about him that he's this like lonely dude who who really his only person is zach yeah we do we meet his mom one time for like five seconds but they don't interact she just like answers the door for josh and that's answers the door for zach um and that's only just like a um that's a practical thing of like getting you know getting uh i don't think we even see her face though we do a little bit but yeah i mean your point still remains the same it's just like oh it it is like yeah you're right he is this lonely kind of latchkey kid and charlie's the same way they kind of all are which i think is also just establishing that 90s thing because now you know i think that happens i mean slightly less um also the glue bottle story is very funny he's yeah, like the glue, I, I enjoyed the glue bottle story and then she's just like oops he's like it's the most erotic thing i've ever seen you know because the glue has come <laughs> and i guess that makes the bottle a penis i um did you ever play that as a kid in high school the penis game yeah, yeah of course one time we went on a senior retreat and um it was like these camping in these like shacks and I just finished taking a shower and I opened the door and someone fucking antiqued me and I was so pissed and so tired. I just laid down on my bunk and like the lights turned off and uh, someone said penis really low. And I was like, fuck this. And I screamed it as loud as I could and everyone just started laughing. And then the, the teacher that was like monitoring us in the next room walks in. And he's like, I don't know who did that, but can you guys be quiet? <laughs> wait, wait, what's, Antiquing? When you got the, yeah, what's antiquing? It's when you take flour and throw it at someone so they look like an antique because they got like white. <laughs> you fucking loser. Really? We're talking about your high school? <laughs> Shut up. Um, 
Oh, and then before, right, the last thing before the Daryl scene is the Allison call. And the only thing I want to say about this is she calls and invites him to a party, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then she's like, hey, you still hang out with Josh uh, Tomlinson or Thompson or whatever his fucking name is, right? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, is this setting up a, like a triangle? You know, when I first watched it, I was like, you know, she says first and last name. You still hang out with him, right? Like you're going to bring him. I was like, oh, is that going to be upset? You know, what's happening here with this? Um, that's right. not really what what happens. She's just like a very nice person who's like, oh, invite your friend too. Um, maybe because Megan was interested, which here's the thing. Like if Josh that's is an incel, if Josh is an incel, like I'm pretty sure Megan would have fucked him. So like, was he just hung up on Allison or, well, you know, what's happening there? You know? I don't even know if it was that at that point. You know what I mean? It, I, I don't think it was, but I do think, I think you get a little bit of that. They do play a little bit with that vibe, right? Of, um, like, for example, in the beginning of the movie, and I don't want to get too into the end of the movie, but something like that happens in the end as well. But in the beginning, when they're riding bikes, Josh uh, or Zach is like, oh, do you ever have that thing where your gears stop going up? So you just you hit your maximum speed and uh, Zach or Josh is like, I don't have a maximum velocity. I just keep going faster. You know right. what I mean? Like he he like likes to think big of himself. And so um, I think that that plays a part into what happens to him eventually. But now we get to Daryl hanging out with them the second time at Josh's house. They go into Josh's brother's room. They find weed. They find nunchucks. And then Josh is like, I have something way cooler. And they get the katana sword. And like you talked about, the way they set up like, oh, they're so cool. The katana is so cool. The camera work is really great in this too. How it like zooms in on uh, Zach and Daryl watching him fuck with the sword. And then he's talking about how he used to cut milk cartons. And then it goes really hard in on Daryl. And Daryl's like, can we do that again? So I, I really like how the movie naturally transitions from scene to scene, right? Because we're talking about cutting milk cartons, and now we are cutting milk cartons. And honestly, I thought that the, I it was kind of just the tone and like how the movie is progressing, but you could feel an accident coming up, and I thought it was going to happen in a much different way. Like I thought someone's hand was going to slip, or like someone doesn't know someone's behind them and they swing and fucking decapitate someone. Um, and and the way that it actually ends up happening is really nice in, in the sense that it never feels forced and and it has to really feel like an accident right but but enough that enough of less than an accident that people feel like guilty and scarred by this and i think they did that well yeah, I will say like the way that the sword actually enters into him seems implausible unless you give some sort of intention to Josh that he sort of stuck it in there in almost like self-defense. And I do want to talk about like at the end of this, I want to discuss like legally the culpability of everyone in this Um But I agree. Like, so, you know, they have... Daryl sitting over there smoking weed and the other guys cutting the cartons. And then fucking Daryl just walks up after they're like, Hey, what the fuck are you doing? And grabs the sword. So he has the sword. So you're like at this point with the sword and kids, you're like, someone's getting stabbed. 
But yeah. then they're all yelling at him and he's kind of waving it around and they all like gang up on Daryl like, hey, you're in the wrong. Give him his weed back. So Daryl like storms off and says, this is bullshit. I don't know why Charlie hangs out with Daryl. That is like the one plot hole in this entire movie. Charlie seems like a, a decently cool kid. So why the fuck are you hanging out with Daryl? It's not like he's old enough to have a car. I digress. So Charlie convinces Daryl to give the weed back. And I think Zach does too. So he gives it back. And at this point he's thrown down the sword and like, this is bullshit. So then Josh starts walking away with the weed and then grabs the sword from where Daryl threw it down. And then Daryl starts chasing him and Daryl like hits him in the head, keeps coming after him. Like, I don't know if they the way played- the stabbing is the way the stabbing is is that Daryl falls on Josh. Josh has the sword in his hand, and I and I understand what you say. Like like Daryl gets stabbed in the in the neck, like almost in the collarbone area. Um, it must it must hit like an artery because that that dude bled out fast. Although not fast, not as fast as I would think he would, but um the the angle and everything yeah maybe there is some some intention but i don't know daryl fell on him so something something there and i think we can talk at least about this at this point like their their ages they're at least 15 at the oldest maybe 14 if they're ninth graders I, i don't remember if they're ninth or 10th right so if let's just say they're 15 15 year olds um, they shouldn't have had the sword, but like if they all just told the truth, I mean, I, it's not really self-defense, but it's like Daryl is at fault for his death. Yeah, but they don't have the wherewithal to kind of understand that in this situation, it's better to tell the truth, right? I mean, like at 15, maybe, maybe you and I but doubtful. And then if you throw other people in the mix, you're like, well, who's culpable? Like who is going to point to who in this case, you know? Well, except they all get on the same page pretty fucking quickly when like at the scene where they chase after Dar- First of all, I forgot to even mention Zach pulling the sword out. And as he's doing it, Charlie's like, leave it in. You're supposed to leave it in and just yanks it out. And then they all freak out. And then Daryl running and them chasing after him. And you seeing him just like you finding the body. And they're like, he's clearly dead at this point. Um, That was all just filmed really well. Very powerful. Like, just really well done scene. And then we have the aftermath of all of this. And how kind of like Zach goes back to his house. And you assume that everyone else goes back to their correlating homes. Um. and probably one of Zach's worst days of life. The girl of his dreams shows up at his house and wants to like make out with him and wants wants to be with him. Real bad timing. And it's Allison. like real bad timing. <laughs> oof. Oof. Super dark times. Am I right? Yeah, I did. I did want to say though one thing before that, and just like showing kind of their age and their like stupidity is. They know to get rid of the sword, but they keep like the sheath. 
to like do they keep the sheath i didn't i didn't pay attention to that. yeah he hands it to he hands it to josh charlie hands it to josh like here you go and then freaking zach breaking his hand like an idiot um yeah although i honestly i think you just keep the sword clean it really well and put it i mean maybe that you probably can't ever get rid of the evidence i don't know you're not smart enough at that age but i think you're probably going to get more easily connected to it if they find the sword right next to the body which they would have than if you right. took the sword home like threw, threw it off the bridge or something right yeah just not right there so anyway back to allison yeah it's this is um this is the start of allison really trying to put in the moves on him and him just not being able to do it because of what happened and like really she must really really like him for her to put up with all of this although i guess in the end she couldn't put up with everything what do you mean by that her almost dying (laughs) that was a bridge too far she didn't stay with him after that he saved her that wasn't even his fault like he saved her life you know i agree if you think about it logically, but when you've been attacked like that, and this happens all the time, you obviously blame the first person. You would blame Josh. But then you look at other people who you probably shouldn't blame, but you would say as her or as her parent, he killed someone else and you covered it up. And then he killed Megan and almost killed our daughter because you covered it up. You know what I mean? That's how yeah. people, victims and victims, family members, you know, will look at things sometimes. And so I, yeah, I just, I think that's probably why they didn't end up together. Yeah. And uh, you're right. She has, she, she must really like him. I can't think of any 15 year old person that would have this much patience, patience with another 15 year old person. Uh, a dude yeah. would, a dude might. <laughs> A dude, a dude might overlook these things. Yeah, you're right, I guess. What's um, that red flag? Let me just throw that away. <laughs> Let's get that out of here. <laughs> um, yeah, so his mom, I I love the actress. I love the mom character. Um, the actress plays a very good concerned mom in 13 Reasons Why, and she plays this basically the same character in this film. Um, but what for her, no red flags about her son coming home with like a broken hand and then like totally loses out with this girl. She even says, she's like, that was a short visit. What? She's like that mom from mean girls where she like knocks on the door and she's like, here's some condoms. Like I'm a cool um, mom. Amy Poehler. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, and and she does seem like a cool mom and she's really, you know, she's a single mom who works two jobs, who loves her kid. And um, yeah, we don't find out what happened al- to the dad. No, but she seems painfully unaware of what is happening in her son's life. I don't I mean, the thing is, though, from what we gather, that he's kind of been like a pretty perfect kid though he smoked meat weed once in colorado but won't do it anymore um you know what i mean like she's an overall like nice respectful kid yeah I, I get it and he comes home with a busted bike and a busted hand you're like i don't know i mean i i think she's a great mom she gives karen's like a really good name you know what i mean so 
<laughs> also, there's this questioning when 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 uh, Daryl has been gone for I think at 36 hours at this point, and like the mo- her, his mom is concerned, is telling other moms around the neighborhood, around the school. Um, there's this great conversation where she comes in the room and she asks him about, um, "Hey, what's up with this? Have you seen him?" He's a great liar. Like he like for this character for a 15 year old kid, he is a great actor. I don't think any actual 15-year-old is that good. You know what, though? One of the reasons that people get caught is because they lie about the stupid things. And this is why um, Zach was a little bit correct that Charlie and Josh and him needed to get their story straight. Um, So Josh doesn't come to school the next day, and then Zach immediately goes to Charlie. And I love Charlie's like, what the fuck, dude? Why are you coming to see some eighth grader at a middle school? And he was like, oh, you know, we need to get our story straight. And he's like, dude, if, and Josh says this later more perfectly when Zach says the same thing to him, we need to get our story straight. And Josh goes, as soon as people start asking the questions, we're already fucked, which is, is kind of true. But the thing is, so him lying about him acting to his mom as if he hasn't seen Daryl since third grade is not the thing to lie about. The thing to lie about is that you didn't see him on that day. That's the thing to lie about. Right. Like, like, Oh, I saw him a couple of days ago, me, Charlie and, and Josh all hung out of the bridge, but haven't seen him since. That's okay to say. Or even to say, yeah, he did come over to Josh's house, but then he left early. Um, we don't know, you know, we, and then we just hung out with Charlie. We don't know where he went. Um, he brought over Charlie and then he had to leave. Um, we yeah. don't know where he went. Or maybe don't mention Charlie. Cause then it seems like Charlie is kind of left. That's out why of you needed Charlie to point. stick around for a fucking minute and get the story straight. Charlie, <laughs> I do love Charlie's <laughs> answer though. He's like, I don't know what happened last Tuesday. So why would I know what happened this Tuesday? I probably just went home. Like I always fucking do. And then when we see Charlie at home later, he's playing minesweeper. It's so great. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, do you think you and I have watched enough movies that we could get away with murder? Me, I have a better chance than you, for sure. Yeah, but I wouldn't kill anybody. So yeah. I, I I have a, yeah, even by accident. I mean. <laughs> uh, if I kill someone, I'm not I telling a, I'm not telling you. you. I can't <laughs> tell you about it. That's fair. That's fair. Um, also, also, why does, at this point, Josh stayed home from school? It's weird that Zach goes straight to Charlie instead of just going to Josh. No, he, he tries. I, I believe he tries. I, from what I remember is he goes straight from school where Josh isn't. He rides his bike straight to the middle school. And then, oh, straight to the middle school. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but before he calls Charlie on his home phone, yeah, well, he that's, does try Josh. Yeah, yeah, but that's like several days later. My point is, like, he's kind of mistrusting Josh from the beginning. Um, and that's like, not did it drive Josh a little bit, but it may have drove Josh to what he did at the very end of the movie um, eventually. But, but also, like, at the same time, is this when Josh is developed? You know, he's by himself with his thoughts. He murdered someone in his head. Is this when he's kind of becoming, like, 
the killer he's going to become, I guess, or like I, what, what drives him to the rest of the murders and attempted murders is unsaid in the movie, but very interesting to me. Like what is it trying to say? But it, the Daryl's death might've been the snap, but you could tell that he wasn't that mentally stable before that. Anyways, you know, something a little off about the dude. A little bit, yeah. I mean, the kid, the guy who plays him, Charlie uh, Tehan, or um, I hope that's how I pronounce the last name, just does a really good job with like the manner mannerisms and like how he plays this character in the beginning and in the end. Is have you have you seen him in 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 uh, I've seen him in Ozark. He's great in Ozark. I have not seen him in Ozark, but he is the little kid from I Am Legend. He's the little kid from I Am Legend? At the end of the movie, yeah. Not the end of the movie. I mean, I mean, yeah, he's the... the about like halfway through the movie. Whatever, and then he's in the end of the movie too. He survives, spoiler alert, for I Am Legend. Um, and then he is also... <laughs> That's him? Wow. Yeah, he is also the brother of Charlie St. Cloud in Charlie St. Cloud starring Zac Efron. I don't, I don't give a shit about that, but he's the little kid, and I am I am old. I saw I am I am Legend is the first movie that I saw by myself in a theater, which means I'm fucking old. A little bit, a little bit, yeah. I mean, uh, Charlie Sinclair was a pretty good movie, a good Zac Efron vehicle. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, yeah, I talked about how there's a couple horror elements in this, and the uh, dream sequence with Daryl. Definitely like a straight horror movie sequence. That's so trippy. That you know where I thought the movie was going for a while there is like, you know, Zach is concerned, like, who took the sword and who hacked up Daryl's body and et cetera, et cetera. I thought we were gonna have like a like a fight club thing where it was Zach the whole time, but the movie wants us to believe there was Josh, but there was no Josh. But I it wasn't that at all. Yeah, I mean, like, I think till 10, 15 minutes left in the movie, even when he brings the sword to Megan's, I'm still like, okay, but is the movie trying to trick us? Um, right. And so I think that's one of the things that's done so well. Uh, Zach gets to school the next day, um, and, oh, he, he, first of all, he had that dream, I think, because he was fucking sipping cough syrup. <laughs> <laughs> like fucked his stomach up and it was giving him like weird dreams partially. But what's cool is that he was having this dream, but we don't know. He's like, he fell asleep in class. No, until that's he an, wakes up. That's another dream. Oh, you're talking about, Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about that dream. You're talking no, about Daryl dream. I was saying he drank cough syrup and uh, like that caused, and then Daryl sitting on his stomach. Nice touch. Um, but he gets to school the next day and all the kids are fucking whispering about Daryl missing and the fact that they all hate Daryl. Right. Exactly. Yes. Um, and then this is, and then as the, the principal is announcing that Daryl's missing or there's rumors about it, this is when the girl is jerking off a pen behind Zach. Do you feel like a lot of girls are interested in Zach? Is that what's going on with this? Or is that girl just a weird girl? I think that girl is just a weird girl. I mean, that scene was a weird, <laughs> was a weird scene, unnecessary in my opinion. 
But she's um, but she's also a little bit too attractive and too well put together to be the weird girl that jerks off pens for no reason. She also seemed a little bit too old to be in that. Maybe she's the edgy. School. Maybe she's like, maybe she's like an edgy girl. I got held back a few years. Yeah, all that it's, pent up sexual it's, it's tension. Just a few D's in high school. Yeah, maybe that's. Oh yeah, she she after a few D's, and that's why she got held back. Right. So. I don't know. It's, it's it's odd. It's not connected to anything else. We never see her again. Um, the whole the the she's the one that let the deer in. Uh, but but um, one of the funniest lines in this in this movie, and I'm gonna back up a little bit. It's from a character we never even see. Uh, and it's the first day that Zach goes back to school, and Josh doesn't go to school and the teacher who's off screen is taking attendance and he's like knocking off names and he's like um zach attack and he goes yeah okay you're here and he's like josh tom thompson or tomlin or whatever his name is and he goes not here and he goes okay that's everyone perfect cut to zach panicking and you're like in your head you're like not perfect teach not perfect at all (laughs) right yeah, yeah I, I agree. I don't know if it made me laugh, but um, back to what we were talking about real quick, though. We get real quick and for the rest of the podcast, but we get Zach going over to Josh's house. And I think they have like a really heartfelt conversation here. The one thing that I really thought was interesting was that Josh freaked out when he heard that Zach wanted to go back. Yeah. And I'm like, did he already have the sword at this point? I feel I like he that too. I feel like he must have. Um, yeah, because when he told Charlie that he wanted to go back, Charlie's like, that's dumb. You can't go back at the scene of the crime. But then when he told Josh, it's a much different reaction. Yeah, he's like freaking out, a little bit freaked out about it. And then the other thing I was wondering is... Is this a little bit his break with Zach in that why do you care more about Daryl than me, right? Why do you care about Daryl and Daryl's mother? If you go back there, you might draw suspicion on you and then me. Um, so I wondered if that was a little bit at play. Because he also, it had some super bad vibes where like uh, Jonah Hill doesn't want, um, what's his name, hanging out with McLovin. And so this is like... right do you like hanging out with Daryl? And he's like, I don't know. I feel bad for him. You know what I mean? Which is the exact same thing from fucking super bad. So, but I, that, I think that scene is important to one establish. If you can a little bit read into like Josh's breaking throughout this, you can see some stuff, but also just like Zach never stops caring about him. And so the fact that, Josh attacks him in the end to me is like going to always remain unanswered in this movie. Cause it yeah. does remain un- unanswered. Did you understand when like Zach was trying to change subjects and he was like asking about like, what video game are you playing? But then like Josh, like breaks down emotionally about something. I didn't quite understand the reason for that. Well, no. So, uh, Zach says, what video game is that? He doesn't answer. What video game is that? And then Zach goes, it was a fucking accident and like slams his hand because he's like, I think he was trying to get Josh's head off of it, right? He's trying to bring him back like, hey, it's it's going to be okay. Um, yeah. And then Josh... Uh, well, also, 
also his confrontation with Zach being like, what are you going to do? Break your other hand or something like that. Well, no, that's too. what I was about to say, but that, uh, that wasn't a confrontation. That was like just a funny line, which, you know, and it, that to me was like him still like, Oh, almost with like the real world instead of like this kind of craziness he got into, like, you know, snapping from, you know, I'm basically going to just say like going into like full serial killer mode is what it seems like. Um, this is the next dream happens right after this, where he finds Allison under the leaves and like has sex with her and then looks back and Josh is watching. And I also think that's a huge cue to Josh's motivation in the end to attack Allison and to attack uh, Zach, Zach attack because of his jealousy over, you know, Allison obviously being interested in Zach versus him. It was very poetic, them having sex amongst the leaves and like the katana being above them while that was happening. It was like, it was something out of fucking a like Aronofsky film or something. You know what I mean? And then not unlike an Aronofsky film, he wakes up with that hot teacher they were talking about from before. Yeah. And then Allison pointing out the jizz all over his pants. Is that what she was doing? She she's she says something to him. I can't tell what she mouthed. I tried to. But then he looks down at his pants, asks to go to the bathroom. The other kid sees his boner. And then he is in the bathroom cleaning off his pants. And after she... Right. And then, and then the other kid who's taking a whiz is like, what are you doing? You're trying to look at my dick? But um, <laughs> I, she also, as she points out his pants and then he sees it in the background... She kind of lifts, her, tilts her head up a little bit and puts her hands on her face like, oh, my God. And it's like, once again, like she's putting up with so much for this guy. So much. Yeah. God, her her journey is so interesting, right? Like, what if we just see the whole thing from her perspective? That she sees the sheriff kill this deer that's already half dead in her classroom. Then either later that day or the next day, she she's planning her birthday party and she calls up this guy that she really likes to invite him to the party. And then the next day she goes over to his house and she's like, all right, I'm going to put the moves on this guy. And he's acting really fucking weird. And she's like, Oh man, that's why is he acting so weird? But like, that's okay. I'm sure it's like, you know, he's going through something. She even calls him like a sensitive boy, right? Later on. Yeah. And, um, so maybe she's like into that kind of like stuff. And uh, <laughs> and then the next day or a couple of days later, she's like sitting in class with him. He like jizzes all over himself while he's asleep. And she's like, what am I doing with my life? Like, no, seriously, what am I really doing with this guy? And then he like shows she's having her party. And then he shows up and he's like really sweet and just like, I want to wish you a happy birthday. He's like, oh, she's like, oh, shit. Okay. Pulls me out. Wait, are, you me about back to, are you about to fucking tell the entire movie from her point or just up to here? Just up to here. Okay. Very good. I def, I definitely was not going to about to tell the whole movie from her point of view. Definitely not going to do that. I'm glad. I'm sorry. I almost interrupted you then. I, um, do you think it would have been a good move if he came back from the bathroom and like, just to let you know, I, I jizzed my pants because I was having sex with you in my dream. Like, do you think how I think most girls don't take that well, but Allison might have been like, oh, mm. that's so sweet. My sensitive boy. 
I doubt you'll ever admit this, but have you ever, when you were little, peed yourself in public? I mean, yeah, so one time, um, how old would I have been? It was after T-ball, so I was probably like six or seven. And <laughs> You're downplaying your age quite a bit, but okay. Well, you don't know, but we were, it was baseball practice. And it's a very tiny field, which is why I remember it was probably that age. I don't remember which field that was, but I had to pee and it was in the middle of practice and it was like a new baseball field. So there weren't really like bathrooms very close. And I was like, fuck it. I just peed my pants and just kept mm -hmm. playing. Nice. Didn't stop. Yeah, I think there was a, there was a time at summer camp when I was little, I must've been 10 and I peed my pants. Well, I didn't like fully um, let my bladder empty out into my pants. Like I was trying to get to the bathroom and I just couldn't make it on time. So it's like a little bit of pee down the leg of my pants, which is a horrible feeling if you've ever been there. It's just, ah, it's the, it's the worst, especially like if you're wearing khakis, it's so noticeable, right? But if you're wearing jeans, like you can almost get away with it. But khakis, forget it. And since it's me and I'm always in pants and never shorts, it's just like, Right. So I get to the bathroom, I, I pee in the toilet and then I'm like to myself, I'm like, I can't go back out there because I have like water stain coming down my pants. So I take off my <laughs> pants and I run my entire pants under the sink. So they're all one consistent color. And then I put on my wet pants and I think to myself, yes, that's better. And, I, and then I go out. Alon shit himself. He has diarrhea. <laughs> I um, I hope you weren't downplaying your age when you said it was 10, but I don't even know. I don't yeah, even know. I'm, I'm comfortable. It was 10. I'm, I'm comfortable with saying 10. So we get to a, we, no, no, we no, no, finally no. get to Allison's birthday party. No. <laughs> okay, go ahead. No, we do. But I just, you normally get it wrong. So that's why I wanted to. I'm trying to speed things up. I'm trying to fucking just let me do it. Let me do it. You've been talking a lot this episode. Let me get let oh, me get to oh, it. Okay, I have really. I have. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um. So we finally get to Allison's party that the whole movie has kind of been working up to at this point, and it is not what she described. She basically was like, "Oh, it's a couple friends coming over to watch a movie, and it's a rager." Um. Well, that's and because Megan's grandpa died, which is awesome, according to Megan. He died or just end up in the hospital? Either way, who gives a shit? I don't, I mean, I care less about Megan's grandpa than Megan does. I think you care more. Uh, so, in the back of like the rooftop room or wherever they are, attic of some sort. Garage? Um, is it a garage? Okay. It's ground They're level. all smoking. Okay, well, I thought he went up the stairs. Uh, they're all smoking weed, and looky who it is. But Josh, who supplied the weed, which is a shock to Zach and a shock to us as the audience because we know how uh, particular he is with that. I thought it was less of a shock and more of like a, he didn't want, he hates Daryl, but he's fine with, Allison having it because he wants to bang Allison during the talent show. So I um first watch I didn't think it was that big a deal, but you know, as Zach points it out, that's definitely what the movie wants you to perceive from that. Um I didn't recognize well, not only that, go ahead. 
I didn't recognize that that was um, y- you go ahead. Cause I was going to change subjects. Well, not only that, but it's kind of a slap in the face to Daryl's death. Right. Uh, And I think it's also there, that scene is there to show the downfall of Josh's mentality is like, so he'll kill someone for the weed, but then the same weed, he'll just give it away. It's kind of like, it's a big slap in the face to Daryl's death. And I think that's how, um, that's how Zach perceives it too. Well, he he didn't want to fuck Daryl, so... No. And also, once again, borderline self-defense. You know, Daryl is twice his size in attacking him. So, you know, and attacking you're, you're really standing up for the killer, huh? For the first. Yeah, for the first uh, not murder. But for those uh, subsequent ones, he's going to have to find some different representation. Um, also, you said what you thought was the funniest line. But I think the funniest line is Zach walks in and Allison walks up. Zach, you came. And this is like right after he came in his pants in class earlier. That's the funniest line. Uh, um, also, uh, what John Whitcomb is sitting like right next to Josh. He asks him to buy weed. And Zach is like, dude, this is so fucking bad. And he just is like, Allison, happy birthday. I'm going to leave. And then she comes out asking him to stay, tries to kiss him. He just can't. And he just won't let it happen. Um, Although he, it's funny. He won't just fucking kiss her, but he will say Josh is lame because he just gave you that weed to impress you. So he's like, he won't make out with her, but he's sabotaging his boy because he likes her. I mean, you know. There's a name for that. I can't think of it right now, but there's a specific name. Well, you're, you're, he's a cock blocker, but he's also like a simp, but he's also... A bitch, a bitch. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. And then this is funny too. So the next scene, we're in school, and this kid who we haven't seen before or after asks Zach, "Hey, you hear about that kid dying?" And he's like, "I don't know nothing about that." And he's like, "Oh, well, they found uh, John Woodcomb." He's like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, he, you know, fell off a bridge," and he immediately knows what's up. But it's funny that he's like, when he thought it was Daryl, he's like, "I don't even want to talk about it." Wait, what? You know what I mean? Like he's so obvious. And then the guy's just like, yeah. well, he was my weed connect. Do you have weed? Hey, buddy, do you have weed? <laughs> I like how they depict stoners as like one track minded. Like, oh, yeah, this fucking kid got murdered. Do you have weed? Um, and then like, also that seems like reality. It seems accurate. Um, also, there was this line that Allison said when when she was trying to get him back in the party. And I thought this was a funny line. And she goes. I see they ran out of blue and I don't know why I knew exactly what she was talking about with his pink cast. And that's where she calls him pink suits. You, you're a, you're a sensitive, my sensitive boy or something like that. But he go, she goes, I see they ran out of blue. <laughs> and he, the way he delivers this line is just extraordinary. He's like, I see they ran out of blue. Like, what the fuck are you talking about woman? Well, the reason you noticed it is because of your inherent misogyny that you saw him with pink earlier and was like, that's fucking weird choice, you know, for a guy. And that's the same reason uh, I noticed it, too. So, yeah, I knew exactly right. what she was talking about. I think we all did. Right. I, I have never broken a bone. I should probably knock on a on wood. I don't have any wood. Oh, here's some. 
anyways, I've never broken a bone. And so I don't know. I didn't know that there was only two types of cast colors you could go for. Gender conforming ones. Yes. So after this, he immediately is walking Allison home. I think there's what there's she's smoking at a gas station. They're hanging out. She's talking about John Whitcomb's penis to him. Um, and then he asks for Tig, which is like what Tiggle Bitties, like big old titties, uh, her number. It's uh, Charlie's sister, Carol. <laughs> and she's like, oh. right. She's like, OK, but can you explain why you want it? And he will not just really like doesn't want to ever have a chance with Allison, apparently. Um, Dude, he he is killing himself with this. And and also like. First of all, disappointing that we never get to see that character. Right. Second of all, uh, how, like, again, from her perspective, how does she feel like she's trying so hard to, like, make a move on him? He is denying her at every turn. And then he's asking for this other girl's number. It's just not looking good. Well, and then right after he walks her home, she wants him to come inside and he won't, um, which, you know, once again. So next he goes home. Mom's not there. And he immediately books it to go look at Daryl's body. And this is when the movie really takes a turn. Um, he finds Daryl all hacked up, fingers missing, like uh, blade marks in his head and back. So then he immediately calls for, he calls Allison for Charlie's number, but he didn't say Charlie. And she's like, what a fucking asshole. And gives it to him anyway. Um, the call with Charlie First of all, this is when he's playing Minesweeper, and it's so cool because the music is building the whole time, and Zach is just monologuing, going through all of this information, and Charlie just every once in a while, what the fuck, what the fuck? And then Charlie eventually is just like, why are you making this so complicated? Like, don't ever call me again. Like, I don't want to be involved. But the, the use of the music building and building and building and then kind of ebbing at the very end when the phone call ends, like, yeah makes that scene so intense and so good. It's hard to make a, like a, a conversation on a phone intense, especially how one way that phone call was. So yeah, that music helped to, to build that up a lot. Um, also, we already have like really well-established characters at that point. So him getting to that conclusion was already kind of the conclusion that we, as the audience we're getting to but it was nice to kind of like lay it all out i don't know why though why did you think that josh had done all that because it could have just as easily been charlie to me i thought for a while it was charlie i i thought we were gonna get like all the weird shit was happening was charlie it would it would explain why he was kind of taking on more of the guilt than before and this movie, like I said, really f- makes you think that there's this big twist at the end, and there's not. But um, I really thought that we were going to get Zach as the killer for the longest time there. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I, I thought we were going to get it was all in Zach's head, and he was going to look like a crazy person, and then maybe he would just like break and tell what happened or whatever and it cause a fight i don't know he's just he's just knocking on allison's door in panic and instead of her brother answering the door it's daryl he's like what's up man or no or he just walks in on josh and allison banging 
Megan watching. Megan watching. Yeah. That seems like Megan's speed. So we get to a scene where it's at night. Uh, Josh is, uh, stops by. This is right after the Charlie phone call. Josh stops by and they go outside and they have like another heartfelt talk. And he's like, are you afraid of me now? And uh, which is funny because there's nothing like that leads you to that except for Josh knows he's doing stuff behind his back and he's becoming this different, more evil person. And then Zach even says, well, the sword's missing. He's like, why the fuck did you go out there? And he's like, well, and this is crazy too. Zach's like, listen, I can draw a line. What happened with Daryl and what you did to John Whitcomb? He's like, what the fuck did you think I did to John Whitcomb? And he like, Zach's literally about to say, he's like, I don't care that you killed those people. You're my friend. And he's like, he even says, I need my friend. I know how you feel. And then uh, Josh comes to this line. No, you don't. You just say these nice things, but they don't fucking mean anything. And then he says, you're wrong about me. Right. And so yeah. when you first hear that, you're like, oh, he's wrong that he's done these, that he killed Whitcomb, that he went and stole the sword. He's wrong about that. But what he's actually saying is, you're wrong about me that I'm like deserving of your friendship, that I'm still the same person, that you need me. That's what you're wrong about. Right. Right. Which is weird. It's a weird conversation to have at that movie. It's like when Josh shows up and how surprised Zach is, we as the audience are also surprised that, that Josh shows up at this point in the movie. Cause we're like, wait, we're going to get like a resolution now. Like now doesn't call call for that. Um, and the movie, you know, there's an attempt at a resolution, but then it's it's not there. And so this is what I want to talk a little bit. We're at 21 minutes left. This is the start of the end. And Zach goes to Josh's and he sees, he kind of freaks out, doesn't break in, but finds a key, goes in. And then he sees Allison's new number that was written on his cast. And there's this theory that Allison was in on it, which... I think breaks down when you realize that like Josh almost cut her neck open. You know what I mean? Those were like deep gashes on the back of her neck. So you'd have to say that she like orchestrated. She was in on what? She was in on the murders. It's just, it's a, I don't think it's a theory that works, right? I don't think it's a theory that works at all. But people are pinning on how did Josh get her number? Cause they're like, Oh, you know, he, he shows it. Uh, he sees it on Zach's cast for that little bit. They're like, but there's no way he can remember it. But he also, he like, he could have just been, he could have gotten it from somebody, right? He could have gotten it from Megan or he could have gotten it from. He- although, although that theory does explain why Allison kept giving Zach chances after chances. It wasn't because she was interested in him. It was because she was like feeling him out on his like psychosis about the whole thing. Yeah, but at the end when she's like, is Zach coming over? And Josh is like, no, no, he's not. Like, was that, what was that, a fake conversation for Megan's benefit? Like, it just, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. No, uh, I, I, overall, it doesn't make a, a bit of sense, and I don't believe in it. But I, I could see where you could really, one could really try to make it work. Also, doesn't, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't Zach kind of warn Allison about Josh and then when Josh pulls out the katana and gives it to Megan, 
there's like a relief there, right? Like, okay, he like again with Daryl, like ah, okay, he doesn't have the person who we think is going to stab everyone does not have the sword in their position, and then possession, and then when he's like, okay, now give it to me. Now it's my turn, and he takes the katana from Megan. There's this moment where the camera's on uh, Allison's face that's like, um, oh shit, you know? Yeah, like an uh oh moment. And it's and she's sort of speaking for the audience with that because we're like, oh oh no, that might not be a good idea. And I think though, up until the moment Zach gets to the room, you're not a hundred percent sure because there's no like screaming or anything until he gets to the door. Um, but you did you talked about this earlier how there's the back and forth between Zach's point of view and Josh's. Like Zach goes to and finds that. Um, Josh called Allison's new number. So he runs to Allison's house and they get, he gets there and rings the bell and then the door opens and it's Megan talking to Josh. And then I guess Zach forgot where Megan lived, even though it was like two days ago somehow, but he, and also he rode his bike to Allison's, but then decides to run to Megan's, um, which is, I don't understand. Yeah, that's, I didn't get that either, but I, so, I thought maybe he didn't know where she lived, but I don't know. But this ending, I talked about before is so tense the whole fucking time. Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen. You have the really weird scene of Josh guzzling milk. And then he throws the weed and he's like, it's free. And Megan goes, your guy's awesome. And he goes, fuck that. I am the guy. That's the other line where he's like, thinks more of himself. Um, But then Zach gets there, opens the door and at first, I thought Allison was already dead on the bed, but it's Megan. The first time I watched it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it and, is Megan. And I don't know that she was already dead, but she definitely dies, I believe, in this movie. Um, no, she she does. And then, but Allison is the one tied up with the Christmas lights. Right. Yeah, he's tying her up. Then... Zach runs I get their names confused so easily Zach runs outside and he screams he's killing them in there which you know then means the police will show up at some opportune moment in a little bit you go back inside he goes back through the window and Josh runs out and then you see Allison tied up in the corner with her neck like I guess so this is what I understand about her wound she has two wounds to the back of the neck was he doing a chopping motion with the sword I guess and it just yes. wouldn't go through and or he's like a bit yes. like it seemed pretty superficial. That part, I think, was like not well thought out because because then when he stabs, when he when he slices it, at, uh, Zach fucking chops through his skull a little bit. <laughs> yeah, man, that that was so fucking intense. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, have you ever bought a katana? I have like. I used to collect them when I was a kid, right? When I was like really big into anime. You collect and collected katanas as a child. <laughs> like 50. I mean, for, like, <laughs> no, like, you know, around like 14, 15, 16 years, I have a 16 years of age. I collected maybe six or seven katana swords, replicas of famous anime swords. Um, but but they're not sharp. Like they don't come sharp. None of them do. You have to sharpen them yourself, but they are very pointy. That's why I believe about like the stabbing directly through Daryl's neck 
and through um, Zach's leg. But but the the swiping, that's what I'm not like believing. Well, but see, it's funny because that's what I believe. Like he goes down on a dull ass katana blade on Allison's neck. You would leave those kind of marks. But then he goes to swipe at um, at Zach and fucking like really maims him. I don't believe that, you know. Well, and but the way he hits his back is probably like more with the point slicing on the back, so that at least makes a little bit of sense. Zach turns your back twice to a dude with a sword. It's like you have to let him do one big swing where he misses, and then the sword's coming from the other way, and then that's when you charge, bro. Yeah, I thought the smartest thing was him blocking with his cast because the cast would catch it. But the the fucking thing basically goes past his cast and into his skull, which is just very unfortunate. And then there's sort of like this moment of like levity where they're both like, holy fuck, really? And, And Zach's like, dude, what are you doing? You're my best friend. Like, I love you. And Josh is like, is she dead? And then Zach, like, you know, that's not the exact order of the words, but then Zach had said, I love you. And then like uses it as a chance to escape. And it's like with any type of like predator animal or whatever, if you run, they're then going to chase. So like even, you know, Josh is like, oh, I guess we're running again. And like chases him, slices him. And I love like the guy that comes up who grabs Josh off of him is like, you know, get off of him. And then Zach gets up. He's like, stay away from him. And then he punches him. And the guy's like, I guess that's okay. You look pretty fucked up. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's what I thought too. You cannot st- not mention him taking the katana and stabbing it all the way through his leg. Um, and then um, choking him out at the end there. Don't you love that little girl across the street just witnessing this like with this very like blank look on her face? Yeah, she's like American Psycho 2. She's like the the sequel. She's like, oh, yeah. that looks fun. Huh? Um, the one thing, too, do you think this is just like an anti-weed movie? Like Alice and Megan <laughs> smoke weed once, die? Yeah, seriously. It's so weird, too, because at the end, you know, we have this thing where I think you 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 get that Zach lives and Josh gets sent to prison forever, possibly. I want to talk about um, that. But but you don't know really like the end fate of both of those characters, but you do know the end fate of Allison because she's the last character we see in the movie. She has the scars on the back of her neck, but she's at school. A couple of months have gone by. She's at school. She's, you know, healing. She's going to be fine. Um, Physically. Yeah. Yeah. Mentally, she's screwed. But but what one thing was interesting on the last shot of that movie is that you saw where they boarded up the beginning of the of the hole in the school um, where the deer broke through. You see where they boarded it up with cardboard and someone like spray painted fuck you on it. Um, but I mean, so that I guess that's there to signify that that took place in a matter of like a week. Like they haven't even had time to board up the the deer incident. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember that part of it. There were a couple of things uh, I did want to talk about. So the the legal questions. I think I think if you had a good lawyer 
and Charlie didn't say anything until, or sorry, Zach didn't say anything until you got him an attorney, I think he could do little to zero time because he's an accomplice in the for the first one, but he it wasn't really a murder, as I've said previously. Um, right. Although, it was what manslaughter. I mean, not, once again, it's like he, you're you're being hit by a kid twice your size. Hold, you're holding your sword, and he's attacking you, and it goes into him. That's like, I don't even know if that's negligence, but I think a prosecutor would probably try and charge him with it. I don't. I think they might just not charge Zach with anything because one, he almost got killed by this kid, and then two, he saved Allison's life. I think he might just get a pass, right? And maybe he like moved out of town. Um, given their age, I'm curious if Josh gets out at some point. Um, yeah, I don't know. Because he's what he killed one person. Um, one person that's like a first degree murder. And then he um, attempted murder on Allison. And then Daryl is, they might charge him with something. And at that point, whatever. no, two, two murders, two murders. Oh yeah, shit, John. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, but he's a juvenile, so will they charge him as adult? You know, and even if they do charge him as an adult, I think he still has the ability to get parole at some point. So, it would be hard to prove John's murder because that seemed like he pushed him off the bridge. But Megan, you could, I could see you with the right attorney and with the with the right prosecutor and with the right witness statement from Allison. I could see him being put away forever for Megan's murder. But it just depends on his life and like the jurisdiction. So um, I'm curious if Charlie gets brought back into this. Charlie's just, I mean, Charlie's even a lot more younger and he really stayed out of it afterwards. So I think Charlie might be fine. Um, one one thing that I, I want to talk about is, you know, I said earlier when Zach runs in, maybe he runs in in an alternate ending of this like nothing's happening josh is just cool or whatever but i think that's that's a very anticlimactic end and so i just don't think that could have ever been possible because that's just like it's sort of a at the very end of this so i think you had to have something like this also megan's pants were off Were they? I think they were. It looked like it in. It looked like she was just in underwear in the bed. So I'm wondering, and maybe I just watched it wrong. But I was wondering, is there like a sexual component to this? Which I think there is, because, or at least a little bit, because Zach, when he like realized, oh shit, something's wrong with Josh, he pictures Josh looking at giving him this crazy look when they're at Allison's in front of Allison's house in the very beginning. He's like, oh fuck, he's gonna go after Allison. You know what I mean? So I think. Mm-hmm. That is what we're supposed to believe that there is at least some like repressed sexual issues involved with what's going through Josh's head. Um, but I also my one like I don't know nitpick. I I understand why movies do this, but not finding out what happens with Zach at the end of this. I we know he lives, but it's a little bit of like I just I kind of want to know. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah and i it just goes back to my whole thing where it ends on allison's point of view like that character shift where it's like 
back to me looking at through through the whole movie to her point of view she's had a crazy couple of days you know i don't know don't do it (laughs) i don't need you to explain what she saw oh no i wasn't gonna do that i was just saying she's she's had from her point of view she's had a couple of crazy days that she probably not until people explained it to her like why this happened to her you know yeah and then this is on this is the point where she decides things probably won't work out with Zach attack. So Yeah. Maybe. Maybe she comes back to him at the end. Super light times too. Super fun times. I wedding when I was season. Talking, yeah. When I was talking about this movie to my wife, I I I've been wanting to call it um Zero Dark Times. Nice. Yeah, there were there were definitely more than more than zero dark times Um, or super, super dark 30. Even better. You want to keep going? Overall, I was highly impressed with this movie. It is pretty dark, so not one that you're going to return to a lot, but just so well done. Every person in this. You know, the person, the guy that plays Zach, Charlie Tehan plays Josh. Um, Allison is played by Elizabeth Cappuccino is her last name. I got to wonder if that's like a real name. But if it's that's a, cool, if it's a fake name, do you really choose Cappuccino as your last name? I don't know. It's pretty on the pretty on the nose fake name. Allison is great, though, in this. Amy Hargraves that plays Karen. I, can you say the guy that plays Daryl is great? He makes me hate him and makes me OK with his death. So. Good job on that. That's actually his first movie. Um, everyone is great in this, including Miss Barron. I. It's just, it's great when you find a movie you've never heard of. This like an independent movie, like this, just kind of a smaller budget, and it just sort of blows you away. And that's what this one did. And it's like, it's one I just really want a lot of people to watch and like experience and like want to talk with them about. So it was. It's really well done. I I didn't realize how much you liked this movie until you endlessly started talking about it. Uh, but but it's fun. It's fine because you can really tell you actually really like this movie by the way you, you uh, discuss it. Um, you know we're called I finally watched because we're we usually tackle movies that are like classics and that we we miss throughout our lives. I don't think anyone really called for this one. No one was really asking for this, uh, for this one. And this one was just kind of, yeah, you were, you were definitely, this one was just kind of like editor's pick, right? Like your, your pick of the week. Um, But the, for me, I was just slightly disappointed because I thought we were really diving into horror finally. And then to feel like kind of regressed back into non-horror movies mostly just because I didn't know what this movie was about. Um, But I, I, I do think this is a really good movie that people should watch. um, And, and maybe us telling them, listen, you're going to this. It's not a horror movie. They'll prep them for, for liking it more. But no, this is great. It's a great movie. And it's such kind of a rare movie to find in like 2017 for for it to not be about something supernatural, not to be about superheroes, just like a a psychological 
psychological thriller about teenage kids. So I thought that was pretty cool. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon. And And we we finally finally watched watched Super Dark Times. Thank you.